back to the GamecockScoop.com podcast, the official podcast of GamecockScoop.com on Rivals. I'm Caleb, joined by Alan, and uh, hey, uh, it's the morning after a huge win of South Carolina over the number six Kentucky Wildcats at home, uh, 79 to 62. We're going to get into all of that. Talk a little bit about uh, the women previewing their big matchup uh, tomorrow against LSU. That one's away, obviously. Um, talk a little bit about a couple of football notes that have happened since we last talked. Uh, Pete Limbo um, taking over at Buffalo. A couple of recruiting notes. Another big junior day coming up this weekend. Um, but before we get into all of that, I did want to just share a quick clip from uh, Coach Calipari of Kentucky um, last night following the game. Um, I think it's a, a good jumping off place for us. Had a great job. Um, you know, he's got guys bought into how they're going to play. So they're a unit. And they're all doing what they are supposed to do for this team. Um, he's doing a heck of a job. It really is. You know, it's a veteran kind of team. Um, and he's getting them to play the way they have to play. They're the best defensive team in our league. That's saying something because this is a team of about 10 teams that their their whole thing is we're going to be a great defensive team. And All right. So there you got there. You have it from uh, a pretty respected coach. You know, he's he's done a couple of things. What a national um, title. <laughs> yeah, so uh, called South Carolina the best defensive team in the SEC. Do you agree with that assessment through, what is it, five league games? Six SEC so games, yeah. Six league games. Um, yeah, I think the numbers bear that out right now. I think, well, first of all, let's let's get the let's get the facts in place here. South Carolina 79, Kentucky 62 last night. That is the first win. That is the highest ranked win for the, for the men's basketball program since 2010. That's the first win over a top 10 team in four years. First ranked winner to Lamont Paris. You can go on and on with the numbers, but largest margin of victory over a top yep, 10 team. Good one there. And I think I think going to Cal's point there, the number that sticks out to me, and you know, we were kind of talking before the game about how, like, all right, look at what Kentucky does, how they like to play. You're probably gonna score in the 80s to win this game. Well, you didn't. You didn't even need to get close to that. Uh Kentucky came into this game averaging 91 points a game. They scored 105 against a pretty good defensive team in Georgia last Saturday, and they put up 62. Yeah, um, something that the broad so you were in house obviously last night. I was watching on TV. Something that the broadcast kept bringing up was, I mean, obviously South Carolina's one blowout loss this year was to Alabama, um, but even so, they held them well beneath like twenty points beneath what they had been averaging, um, and the offense just went completely dead. Um, but the broadcast was just basically saying like if. They play a defense like that. They should be in pretty much every game as long as they have any semblance of an offense, which, of course, last night pretty much everything was working. Uh, Talon Cooper kind of led the way there, but Jacoby Wright made four of five threes. Um, Josh Gray was a force on the inside against Kentucky's talented, but maybe not uh, as willing to go up against that giant behemoth of a man um, <laughs> on the interior. Um and we've talked before about how Gray sometimes doesn't realize that he's seven foot yeah. two eighty or whatever he is. Um, but last night it seemed like he realized and he was really throwing his body around. Um, I mean, there's so much praise to go around. Michi Johnson hits a couple of key threes, hits one 
you know, from forever, like he always does uh, to kind of seal the game and, and seal in that largest margin of victory over a top 10 opponent uh, stat. Um, yeah, I mean, who had that on your bingo card? 17 point win against Kentucky, probably no one. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to unpack with what you just said. Um, I think the Josh Gray point is a very interesting one because you go into that game last night with Kentucky as look, we know what the deal is they have three seven footers. Um, all three of them can score, they're all tough inside. Like, you know what that is. And Josh Gray said post game that Lamont told him to be big, play big, play to your size. And that's kind of what he did. And he also said, Hey, um, I'm looking for the quote now, but he basically was like, Hey, they are three freshmen like they they might be talented but I've got the experience here and he he looked like what you want your big man experience but here we go coach Paris always told me to be big I knew this game he was going to need it the most they have three seven footers but they're all freshmen I've got the experience factor close quote he took advantage of it yeah and there, there are also times once you had the lead that Lamont kind of played with the lineup a little bit <clears throat> and uh we saw Zach Davis Colin Murray Boyles Ugasuk um, all in there. And, and you kind of texted me during that and you're like, I don't know who's scoring <laughs> uh, right. with this lineup on the floor, um, which it turned out that Tawan Cooper. Not many. Yeah, it was just uh, Cooper, but. Um, but they suffocated uh, Kentucky defensively whenever they had that lineup on the floor. I believe uh, the last eight minutes of the first half, Kentucky scored like seven, four. four points. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, too, I think the Morris point's a good one, too. Like you look at. You know, he only played five minutes last night. He was, it was just that stretch at the end of the half. But his five minutes on the court, Kentucky scored two points. Um, you know, he looks undersized. He is a little bit. He's, you know, you imagine what he's look like with another year in a college weight program. The, the shot's obviously not there right now. He's shooting under 30%. But just in terms of an on-ball defender and kind of what Morris can do as a true freshman, I think you really like him. I think you really like what Zach Davis can do defensively. Lamont talked about that Monday and his availability. He said if NBA scout called him tomorrow and asked about Zach Davis, he would just talk about his defense more than anything else. Um, so I think you actually kind of have the individual pieces to play defense once you get the system down. And I think that's kind of what you're seeing in a year one to year two jump. Yeah. Um, if you would have told me before the game that BJ Mack is in the single digits, Michi Johnson is in the single digits into the last, what, like five minutes of the game. Yep. Um, I tend to think that Kentucky probably has blown the doors off of uh, South Carolina. But uh, like we said, Talon Cooper, huge night, uh, two for four from three, but just was uh, an impact player really all over the floor. 20 points, six rebounds, uh, five assists. It's a great stat. Zero turnovers. Yeah. That's the other thing. Um, South Carolina actually, um, let me see if it ended up that way, but I know at one point late in the second half, they only had one turnover in the entire second half it may have uh changed a little there at the end i mean they got a shot clock violation of that last possession where everyone stormed the court so that's a turnover but yeah it ended up being more than that but but whatever either way they were they were very tight down the stretch and then once they were up by double digits things maybe got a little bit sloppy here and there uh near the end but um yeah we didn't even talk about the arkansas game too who thought that South Carolina was going to beat um kentucky worse than they beat arkansas but um, kind of a similar script defensively. You hold Arkansas, who was at home and, and can definitely go on runs, to just 64 points, beat them 77 to 64 over the weekend. So, I mean, that's two back-to-back -back very quality SEC wins with a road win against a probably slightly inferior opponent at this point. And then, obviously, uh, Kentucky has the name on the front of the jersey, but also 
despite their experience. This was a Kentucky team. Quite a yeah. few dudes. Um, um, they had earned that number six ranking in South Carolina, earned beating them the way they did last night. Yeah, so I guess if we're looking at the the wider picture here, um, they have a big home matchup against Missouri, a team that they already beat on the road earlier this year. Um, by the way, for those of you trying to figure out what you're going to do uh, this weekend, you should go check out the game. They're going to honor Shane Beamer and all of the new recruits and transfers in. Um, so you can kind of familiarize yourself with some of those faces at halftime on that game. But um, I mean, I would assume South Carolina is going to be favored in that one. Um, if they can just not have a letdown uh, in that spot. Um, top 25, you think? Yeah, I absolutely think that you look at them being a ranked team next Monday when the poll comes out. Uh, I think that the letdown point is kind of what you get to now. Like, how do you live with success? How do you handle a win like that? How do you kind of go forward? Because I thought, you know, everyone said they had the right attitude um, coming out of it. Talon Cooper talked about, you know, we're on to the next game. And Josh Gray made a comment about how, you know, they still have more work to do. And all the things you would want to hear from your players after that. But it's one thing doing that. It's the other thing taking the court after you beat Kentucky by 17. Um, and I think right now you got faith in this team because there's no reason you shouldn't. But that's, that is the next thing. And if you uh, beat Mizzou Saturday, kind of stack the momentum, that would get you to 5-2 and two in the league going into Knoxville on Tuesday. And you'd probably have a top 25 matchup in, against Tennessee next Tuesday. Yeah, so, so much of what we've heard through the beginning part of the season is – uh, that there hasn't been much respect, right? South Carolina got picked last in the SEC. I think we can pretty safely say that's not going to happen. Um, and uh, they have been kind of on the bubble of being ranked several times, even though they got off to, what was it, a 14-0 and 0 start, 14-1 and 1 start. Yeah. Um, and, you know, under most circumstances, if they had any sort of hype heading into the the preseason they would have already been ranked at that point so then now the question come, becomes all right you made your statement game on national television everyone's talking about you on sports center this morning can you <laughs> still you have the, yeah exactly can you still have the same edge that you've had that through this point in the season when you're no longer saying well they don't believe in us because trust me the national media is now <laughs> uh, on board with what just happened yeah, quarter zip sales probably went up today um, around Columbia if they hadn't already. That, I think, is the main thing. And I think the reason you probably think this team is going to be able to do that is because for what for, for what all last night was and how cool that scene was, and you had Shane Beamer and Don Staley and Aaliyah Boston and Harris Bestides and any you know, South Carolina dignitary you could think of was there for that. You, you're, you're talking about a tournament bid, right? Like, that's the goal here. That was what this team thought they could do, and – well, you still got, what, seven weeks of selection Sunday of the regular season. You got 12 SEC games. Um, I happen to believe that with a 12-1 and non-con, a win over Kentucky on your resume, and the way the SEC is, that 9-9 nine and nine in the league is going to get you home. But 9-9 nine and nine in the league still means you're still five wins away. So you're going to need at least five more wins, which is why I think this team can keep its edge and keep its eyes on the prize. Yeah, and, and the path to those five wins now becomes much, much That's at least clearer. five, I'm going to say. Like, that's at least five. I think this team can win more than five and seven down the stretch. I think you can do better than that, but I think that's the minimum. 
it's kind of like with the baseball team last year uh, where we had a certain expectation of like try to finish 500 in the league, but then you start so strong right. in the league. It's kind of like that would almost be a disappointment at yeah. this point considering how they've started. So, um, yeah, I guess I should start researching the uh, NCAA tournament sites and <laughs> we might both be traveling in March. Uh, there's pretty scattered. There's one in Charlotte and there's also one in like Spokane. And then obviously there's six other ones. Like it's all pretty spread out this year, but yeah, you know, there, uh, unfortunately, there's not one in Denver, but uh, Salt Lake, you know, though, I think. Yeah, there is. I could drive to that one. I could drive to Omaha. So we'll we'll figure it out. But yeah. Um. <laughs> all right. Let's uh, anything else you wanted to say on on the men's program? I mean, uh, we talked right before we got on here, but uh, Lamont Paris is proving a lot of the fan base wrong. A lot of the talking heads wrong. Um, and I, I'll admit, I certainly didn't see this. If I did see this coming, if, if I thought it was even a possibility, I didn't see it coming this quickly. Um, it's, I mean, the turnaround that he's had from year one to year two is incredible. And I, I think if if you keep something like this up, he's going to be in the conversation for like conference or national coach of the year sort of thing. Yeah. And I think my only other point on Lamont, and I'm glad you brought that up, is this is something I was talking about with some kind of half talking, half joking with someone in the media room before the game. And then you texted me something similar at halftime. And I think it's worth bringing up. We were talking before the game, like, you know, Lamont Paris was on staff for one of the biggest upsets in college basketball history when Wisconsin beat that 38-0 Kentucky team. And then you text me at halftime that they look like a Bo Ryan team. And I think big picture now, a year and a half into his tenure, that identity, the defense, the kind of mucking it up, the, you know, balanced scoring. This looks like a guy who spent 15 years in, as an assistant at one of the most successful programs in the country and one that plays the pretty clear style. And it's translating. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, one of the things that you kind of look for um, as a program is starting to get its footing is do they have an identity? Um, last year, I think not so much. This year, I think we're we're seeing that identity very clear and um, they're executing it most of the time. I mean, you can think back to what, like three bad halves of basketball so far um, yeah. throughout the season. You got the second half against Clemson, second half against Alabama last stretch against Georgia. I mean, yeah, not even half, like last six yeah. minutes. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I'm really excited to see where this goes. And um, it can, as you saw last night, even when you're the less talented team, which this is something that the broadcast kept bringing up was that if Lamont Paris has 75% of the talent of the team that he's playing, he expects to win. Um, and you can see why. I mean, uh, it slows down the game um plays good defense and then you're hitting shots and another point i guess is just the way that the offensive scheme is set up even when you're not necessarily hitting shots if you're running the clock all the way down to zero and you're taking really good shots it's allowing you to get back on defense and and set up your defense um which really kentucky struggled a lot with last night the the, the reason that they're one of the highest scoring teams in the country is um they're really good in transition and they just didn't have any of those transition opportunities last night yeah, I thought I thought you could tell pretty quickly. I think they scored in a couple of them, but they ran the shot clock, Kentucky shot clock down under 10, I think like three of the first four possessions or something. And you kind of saw pretty quickly that South Carolina was going to be able to control the tempo here, control the pace. And if it did that, they were going to at least have a chance if the offense showed up and clearly it did. All right, let's transition a little bit to uh, the women's team who are still number one in the country and have a pretty big matchup of their own coming up tomorrow. Um, this is why we're doing the podcast so early. You're about to head out to Baton Rouge uh, here in a little bit or later this afternoon, right? Um, 
so uh, South Carolina has got a huge matchup against number nine LSU tomorrow at eight Eastern um, down in Baton Rouge. They can't. They're coming off of two straight uh, wins, SEC wins, where they almost scored 100 but didn't quite get there. Um, a 98 to 36 win over Kentucky and a 99 to 64 win on Sunday over Texas A&M. Um, what did we learn, if anything, through those two? I guess ramp up test to to this bout and then. Uh, how do you see it playing out? I would say right now they're playing the best basketball they've played all year. Maybe other than those first two games, they kind of just shot themselves out of a cannon against Notre Dame in Maryland. Um, I think they're taking care of the ball a little bit better. Obviously, the offense is there. Um, you kind of saw that all year, but they're defending better. I think the starts to the games have been really pertinent lately. That's something you're, you're going to need a quick start in that environment on Thursday uh, you got out 15 nothing against AM. I know that's not LSU, but 15 nothing off a tip off can pretty much end the game in five minutes. And that's what they did Sunday in College Station. Uh, I think that the main question right now is how much is the shooting going to travel? We talk about defense traveling. We talk about, you know, we just talk about the men's team, right? Is if you can defend, you can say in any game, how much does the shooting travel? Can you count on having another solid shooting night? And, you know, I think they're at almost 50% from three right now as a team. And if not, what other ways can you maybe get at LSU and have a chance to stay in this game? Yeah. Um, so far, we've seen them sort of rise to the occasion uh, when they've played these top flight teams uh, earlier in the season. They, this isn't their first test, but it's their first test in a while. Um, so, yeah, the question just becomes, have they been lulled to sleep, I guess, by the easier parts of the schedule? Or are they able to kind of turn it fully back on? um come thursday i think probably um any injury notes or anything uh on the lsu or south Carolina side as we head into that one uh there's a question about tessa johnson who's best, i guess kind of been like their eighth player off the bench one of the third or fourth guards she kind of rolled her ankle a little bit in that a m game didn't return but that was i assume a precaution because they were up by 30 at halftime I think she's okay based on what I'm hearing. She's had a little bit of a something in November with the other ankles. So it's kind of just something that's lingering. I would expect her to still be in Baton Rouge. Uh, Dawn Staley talks at, I think, 2.30 today. I'm already going to be on the road by then. But keep an eye on that. Keep you guys updated if Dawn says anything about that. And other than that, I think you're clear. I think you should have a full boat going there. And, you know, I, I think this is just one of those games you got to sit back and be like, this is – when you're this kind of program, when you're this – on this level, this is the kind of game you want to be in. You might lose, you might win. It might, it's going to be, it should be tight either way, but this is what being, it's the last two national champions. I think it's the easiest way to put it. College game day is taking it on the road. It's their first live broadcast of the year for men's or women's. Um, it is going to be the story in college basketball tomorrow and you're part of it and go try to win it. Yeah. And just from a, like winning the conference sort of standpoint, um, you look, South Carolina's got no losses in the con conference. Uh, LSU's already got one. Tennessee's already got one. So it's yep. a good point. Worst case scenario, if you do somehow uh, lose a, a game on the road in a tough environment, it doesn't necessarily knock you out of the running or anything. But obviously, you'd you'd like to get that one. If you win that one and you're, you'd be up two games on LSU with a tiebreaker, I don't want to say that means they LSU can't win the league, but you would be basically up three games on them with maybe 10 left after that in the conference. Yeah, exactly. So um, any other women's notes before we kind of turn the page to football? 
Yeah, I, I just think a, a little bit on the game itself. I just think this is kind of going to come down to what South Carolina can get from its bigs. LSU's a size team. You know about Angel Reese. You know about Michaela Williams. Anissa Morrow, who almost transferred here. She's at LSU now. What does this game look like for a player like Chloe Kitts, who's flashed a little bit, did well in their last kind of test at North Carolina and Duke, but she's going to need to play really well. Sonia Faye's minutes have increased the last four or five games every game. She's played better. This will be her, – her challenge has always been defense – you know she can score. This could be her biggest test of the year defensively. Ashlyn Watkins, same thing, kind of the opposite, but her defensive offense. You're gonna need a big. You're gonna need a big game from all of your bigs to have a chance in this one. I don't think you can have one of them have an off night and have a chance against this team. Yeah, and for those of you that uh, enjoyed the sort of deep dives that Alan does, or if you haven't ever read one, um, we have a really fun uh, look at Camila, Camila Cardoso and her sort of journey. Uh, to where she's at now and um, some cool looks, I guess, of her background and, and everything like that. That's a free article on GameCocksGroup.com. Very first thing on the front page right now. So go Oh, yeah, and I forgot to out. mention, if you're subscribed, uh, last night post-game, I kind of, Lamont Paris talked about it. I meant, mentioned this in the men's section. Lamont talked about his kind of identity and his plan that we just mentioned. And I went back through his first presser in October of 22 before the season and kind of just compare what he said then to what he said last night and just kind of how he's kind of built this thing. So if you're a subscriber, that's on the website now too. And if you're not a subscriber, what are you doing? You know? Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's let's uh, let's transition a little bit to football um, just really quickly. So this last weekend, there was a pretty big junior day. Um, I put all of the uh, – recruits that, that were in town in the weekly recruiting wrap-up last week, which you can see on GameCocksGroup.com. Uh, there's another one coming up this week, which I'll also have. But I guess the the one I kind of want to highlight is is Ryan Montgomery, which is the top uh, quarterback target for the 2025 class for South Carolina. Um, he visited South Carolina, visited Georgia both this weekend, this past weekend. Um, and he originally was planning to make his decision in February, uh, perhaps he still will. Um, we have an interview with him um, and Greg Smith, one of the rivals national recruiting analysts uh, on GameCocksGroup.com. Um, I'll just read real quick what uh, he said uh, on whether or not he can picture himself at South Carolina. He said, my development there under Coach Loggins and the strength staff will be second to none. And I think I fit very well in the scheme. Um, but as far as his commitment, he said he may wait until after spring practice and take a couple more visits uh, or yeah, he may uh, go ahead and lock it in before spring. I think if he were to lock it in before spring, um, you feel pretty good about where South Carolina is at. Um, the real, I'm trying to think of how to word this. I guess the real rub here is um, he would probably like to be in a place that's fully prioritizing him as the number one quarterback target. Georgia seems like maybe they're, um, they, they really like him, but they're also, they like a couple other guys too. Um, whereas I think South Carolina has done a good job of making sure that Montgomery knows he is their number one quarterback target. Um, not to say that South Carolina doesn't have any options if it doesn't work out that way either. But um, if I, I think at the moment that is going to be the deciding factor. Um, but of course we're talking about high school kids, so these things can change, but um, yeah, I feel pretty good coming out of the, out of those visits. Um, and then, like I said, another junior day coming up, probably a little bit more of a, a heavy hitter uh, list, um, which I'll have out um, tomorrow or Friday. 
for uh, this coming weekend. Um, a lot of 2025 and 2026 guys that are four, five stars, whatever. Um, also, I guess a quick recruiting note on the basketball front. Um, do you think uh, Cam Scott is kind of considering? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, that, he's, honestly. he's having a great uh, season out of Lexington, obviously. And, and South Carolina did get uh, two um, recruits from that class. I'm, I'm trying to pull it up real quick. Uh, Eli Ellis and um, Hayden Simeon, who they really, really like. Um, or sorry, that's 2025. Yeah, 2024, Trent Noen, uh, Oku Federico, who's another Finland guy. Um, so, I, I mean, I think that they really uh, feel okay with it. But, you know, I'm sure both sides would have maybe seen things a little bit differently had uh, South Carolina shown this sort of upside before. But, hey, there's a portal, you know. We'll see We'll see what happens a couple years down the line. Who knows? We, we didn't even mention Colin Murray Boyles dunking on a seven foot two guy last night. Speaking of freshmen, um, second game in a row or second out of two out of three where he's uh, yep. posted up against a seven footer yeah. and uh, just kind of taking him to school. Um, yeah, I, I saw Paris kind of talked a little bit about um, Murray Boyle's ceiling, which he feels mm -hmm. like he's nowhere near reach yet. Um, but we've seen some some crazy flashes over the last few games. I, I believe I mentioned in the live thread, but coming out of the half against Arkansas and Kentucky last night, he was kind of kind of playing with his hair on fire and really like a uh, on the stat sheet it doesn't necessarily um, pop but you could just see from an energy standpoint and from a, a mindset standpoint that he made a huge impact coming out of both those halves a couple big offensive rebounds there I think the one on their first bucket of the game he had one and then there was one early in the second half that kind of set the tone there um, Pete Lembo talk about that yet yeah so the other uh, football note is um, on the coaching front we got some finalization of contracts for Markwell Blackwell, and then we already had James Coley, but then uh, there's a new opening because uh, Pete Limbo took the head coaching job at Buffalo. Um, check out Twitter uh, for his um, introductory press conference at Buffalo. Uh, he had a lot of really nice things to say about South Carolina. I believe uh, one of the standout quotes was basically it's, it's meant to be hard to leave a place that you love, and it was super hard for him to leave. Um, but you feel good for Limbo, right? Another opportunity to prove that he has learned some lessons and uh, can have a better uh, go round uh, as a head coach this time than than he had in the past. Um, you know, he's not getting any younger. Now's kind of the time to to take that opportunity. And now it'll be interesting to see what South Carolina does with the opening. Do they just go get another special teams coordinator? Uh, do they get someone that can coach defense and special teams? Does uh, Beamer himself take a little bit of a bigger role uh, in the special teams and then you just get a straight defensive guy um, I think kind of all options on the table right now as as you look around and um, as we hear more about who they narrow in on obviously we'll pass that along on GameCockScoop.com uh, I think the main thing at that point is what's available what's out there who can you get to come you know the last week of January is kind of an awkward time to do a coach or a coordinator search if that's or assistant coaching search in general um, I'm inclined to believe that it's going to be a special teams coordinator only because that was, that's been an emphasis obviously for Beamer since going back to his age with his dad. But when he put together a staff in 2020 and going to 21 with a blank slate, he made that a point to get a special teams coordinator. 
Um, at the end of last season, when you know Lembo's contract was running down, they made that a point that Lembo became the highest paid special teams coordinator in the conference. I think that's a very attractive position now, just based on what South Carolina special teams have done the last two years. You know, you still got, if you look at that from a coaching perspective, you still got Kai Kroger here. Um, I think obviously they're going to have their choice of options, but you want to get that right because that's a that's been a big part of uh, part of this program for the last three years, and also just it's still a guy on staff who can recruit. Lembo made a lot of inroads in the Northeast, and maybe try to go that route again with someone up there. Um, it's a very interesting kind of unique position to be in. It's not just a regular position coach hire, I don't think. Yeah, exactly. A um, couple other, I guess, notes, because uh, we heard from Shane Beamer for the first time since, what, signing day? Uh, yes. Last week since we last talked. Um, it looks like some of the numbers are beginning to work out. Uh, we talked about how there's 89 scholarship players. Well, now we're down to, we believe, 87, if our count's right, um, because uh, Tyshawn Wanamaker and Trey Jones. <clears throat> um. I think that's right. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, yeah, I can pull it up real quick while we're looking. But uh, either way, uh, I think want, definitely want to make her. And then let me pull up the other. Um, our moving on, retiring slash maybe going into the portal. It was kind of vague. They just were left off of the roster that you guys got last week. Um, but yeah, so I mean, like we said, the numbers work out. It makes sense that a offensive lineman room that it, before those two left had... 17 uh yeah, something's got to players yeah exactly so um and obviously that's something that you hit pretty pretty heavily in the um the portal recruiting. so and recruiting yeah. for that matter yeah and recruiting so um i'm just gonna go with those two names if i'm wrong uh sorry but i don't have the thing pulled up in front of me right now and i'm pretty sure that's right so anyway uh any other i guess takeaways from that press conference that you went to uh with shane beamer i know he talked a little bit bit about Gilbert Edmund returning and he talked a little bit about the new coaches Blackwell and Coley um I guess any just like major takeaways uh the Edmund thing is the one for me god the presser that was last Friday that feels like it was a month ago <laughs> just with what's happened in basketball since then but that and Lebo that was he he was asked about you know letting Gilbert Edmund come back to the team and what was that process like and he said like he obviously you can only go off, go off what he said but he's you know he talked to seven or eight of the upperclassmen team leaders he talked to you know the whole coaching staff he weighed it he uh you know is this the right thing to do he's, he did make it clear that i think he used the quote this is not going to become a precedent like you don't want players transferring out and thinking the door is still open uh he mentioned that gilbert kind of did it the right way when he left the first time that he was pretty clear and upfront with shane on why he was leaving to begin with um so I'm kind of interested how that goes, what, you know, what that does for Gilbert, how he kind of sails back into the locker room and obviously what he can do as a pass rusher. Uh, so I guess that was kind of the one takeaway for me, just the way he explained that whole situation. Yeah. And then I do, uh, I don't know if you saw it, but uh, afterwards, Gilbert took to Twitter and was like, I told y'all it wasn't about the money. <laughs> um, yeah, Beamer said he wanted to be closer to his family, who's from Florida and apparently that's what Gilbert told Shane last December. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know. Florida State uh, is the only team that has gotten hurt uh, in the NIL uh, sanctions uh, thus far. So, you know, maybe some of it was about the money. But, I will uh, say, too, I will say, too, though, and this is just what you have to do in college football in 2023. He did immediately spin that into a recruiting pitch, like almost immediately pivoted to this just shows how 
you know, how desired our program is. And a guy who was playing at an undefeated ACC champion wanted to come back and compete for a spot in South Carolina. I'm not saying he's wrong or anything. I just thought that was a very funny way of going about it that he kind of immediately thought about, you know, what does this mean for us? I mean, he's he's pretty good at that pretty much. Yeah, especially especially in the offseason, anytime he has uh, a chance uh, at a podium, we'll see it again at SEC Media Days. He is always be recruiting, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess uh, just a way to kind of tie all this up is Shane Beamer was at the uh, the win over Kentucky last night. A um, couple of times, you know, panned to him having huge uh, moments of celebration, just like everyone else in the uh, stadium was last night. Um, you have to think, obviously, it's a very different sport. Obviously, you can make such an impact with just one or two guys uh, in basketball because there's only five on the floor. But you have to think um, he's looking at at the way that uh, Paris utilized the portal um, this past offseason and the sort of turnaround that he was able to have and um, is hoping that, uh, you know, the, the moves that he's made this past offseason so far and, and maybe some more into spring um, can have a similar sort of turnaround for the football program. Um, I'm not, I, I haven't ruled it out. I mean, I think that there's some really interesting pieces and it's just going to be how you bring those all together. Um, how you play together as a team. Can you uh, get the the biggest uh, squeeze of the juice from, from the team that you have? Um, can you say that if you're 75% as talented yeah, as, the, to... as the team across from you, that uh, you're just going to be the more solid team, the better schemed team, uh, and find a way to win. I think there were times in Shane Beamer's first two seasons where we did see that happen, uh, where South Carolina beat a team that was better than them because the game plan was just that good or uh, whatever. Um, maybe lacked that a little bit this past year, although, you know, went toe-to-toe with Georgia, uh, you know, showed some flashes of it here and there, especially in, in the early part of the season. Um, but, yeah, can you get back to that, I guess, and, and feeling like you have a group that um, you can – scheme your way to a couple wins yeah i think that's the whole thing I, I think i made this point last show or maybe two shows ago but you feel good about your portal class you feel like you've kind of supplemented your needs you've added some game-changing talent especially a guy like rocket that's great i think you should but everybody else does too you know they're having these conversations in athens and lexington and knoxville and gainesville and all right we also feel good about our portal class and what we brought in and then it becomes like what, what can you do with it how does spring ball go what does it look like in the summer and like you said can your portal guys be better than their portal guys? Can they play more cohesively once you get to September? Yep. So, and we'll see how these, these new, new hires play into that process as well. And and whoever they get uh, to replace limbo who, I mean, we didn't say this, but uh, should be obvious. That's a, that's a big loss. I mean, he's yeah. uh, both from a just experience and, and working well with Beamer and a recruiting the Northeast standpoint. Um, but also just, I mean, he, he gave you a an X factor in the special teams that you're going to have to find a way to to recreate because I think if you're going to to beat some teams that have a little bit more talent than you, um, that is one place where you can kind of, and we've seen this, uh, you know, Texas A&M two years ago, whatever, we've seen where special teams can be that X factor. So I'm going to miss um, the press conferences. What? I'm going to miss the press conferences <laughs> for Lembo. The random yeah. history references, the movies, the, the classic rock, the... Yeah, you know, one time I was in Muncie, Indiana, 20 years ago, and they had this shrimp bar there, like all this just random stuff that would fill in a bingo card. No, you can see how um, he was such a good recruiter because uh, you can yeah. just imagine that. I mean, anyone, but uh, you know, high, that that would make an impression on high school kids. Just the <laughs> sort of zany 
um, out there references, but the, he did usually land the plane on. So you're just yeah. like, right, well, I'm, I'm on board with this. We're, take me, take me on the uh, spin your yarn, you know. Um, all right. Uh, so we will have full coverage of South Carolina versus LSU tomorrow. Um, like I said, we have a really good feature on Camilla Cardoso on GameClacksGroup.com this morning. Um, all the post-game stuff for Kentucky on the site this morning. And uh, baseball yeah, media day, like an hour. Mark Kingston talking for the first time in 2024. Yeah, we're about to ramp up into that part of the year where there's five or six games going on uh, every single week, and I am super excited. <laughs> um, so anyway, we'll be back with the GameCockScoop.com podcast next week. Uh, keep up with us on GameCockScoop.com. In the meantime, till then, we'll see you.